You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, we've got a good show for you today. We're going to chat all about uh, ah, SEMA and CES and how uh, coronavirus keeps taking its toll on the events we have uh, coming up. And uh, and we'll get into new Ford F-150 pricing. But before we get started, uh, a word from our friends at McGuire's. You know, car waxes have come a long way. And last year, McGuire's introduced their hybrid ceramic spray wax. Its advanced SiO2 hybrid technology delivers the ceramic wax with protection and durability. There's no rubbing, curing, or buffing. It provides extreme water beating action as well. This year, Meguiar's launched their liquid version. It seals the paint for long-lasting protection against the elements. It's easy to use and applies like a traditional liquid wax. Uh, another product that they have, which I love, is their ceramic, their hybrid ceramic spray detailer. This removes contaminants like dust, fingerprints, bird droppings, and it helps to boost gloss and enhances protection. It's ceramic made easy by Meguiar's. It's available pretty much any auto parts store or Walmart, wherever. So, guys, check that out. Welcome to CarCast. It's Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, with Bill Goldberg. How you doing? Good, buddy boy. How you doing? I like I like that intro. That was the uh, that's the demon. That's the demon. That's yeah, the demon. We're the gonna demon. have to change it soon to a to, to a turbo chart to a turbo charged turbo charged. The intro is gonna be. A f- <laughs> <laughs> it's just gonna make that sound. Bam! Yeah, explosion. Um, anyway, if you guys are uh, uh, just catching up on shows, um, uh, pick up last week's show with Dave Salvaggio from Speedcore. That was fun. We got a, 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 a nice little lesson on carbon fiber. And uh, I'm sure as you're, as you're listening to this, there is still their Speedcore carbon fiber demon – up on bring a trailer last i checked it was a hundred thousand bucks uh it's a stock powertrain demon doesn't really need any more power and they did their full carbon fiber body uh, treatment on it i believe it's one of five demons that they did uh it's it's pretty badass i'm sure it'll be pretty collectible these guys do great work so that's kind of cool that's up there and uh i i've been i've been now that <laughs> I'm sure I'm bugging David a little bit, but I'm like, hey man, here what, we go. What, God you, Almighty. what are you guys doing with that Mustang convertible <laughs> over there with the with the Roush supercharger and the and uh, I said, uh, you guys, you guys want to sell it? Here's here's what I'm thinking. If you guys want to do something, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I got your email and your voicemail and your text. I, I, I'll ask around and and see. So uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to peer pressure him into maybe selling me that car. I don't know, which means I'm going to sell the BMW M5. You know, I told you guys, we got it dialed in. You know the reasons why. You know, it's still low miles. Somebody else can enjoy it. Um, It's a great car, man. Pass it off and let somebody else start a new relationship with it. I mean, I think your relationship with it, it's time for you to separate. Yeah. there's First of all, there isn't any more I could do to it anyway. Like, I pretty much done i mean you could drive it and sure i've done that but there aren't there aren't any other modifications i would ever do to that car that car is done between the big brakes brembo brakes hre wheels it's got all the good stuff on it um 
Uh, it's got the KW suspension. You and I were just talking a minute ago about KW. I got the phase three or stage three or however they uh, they designate their suspension on it as well. So it's fully adjustable. Uh, it's and it's a badass car. I would like to. I would like to get it over to uh, the dyno just so I could give you guys a real rear wheel horsepower number before I post it, before I put it up anywhere online or or whatever. You know, uh, it'll probably go up on Bring a Trailer. I'll reach out to them if they like the car and they choose it. Then uh, we'll sell it there. Uh, you know, in the meantime. I don't know if, if you guys are interested. Keep a lookout for it, or or hit me up. I'm I, I'm I'm not locked into any particular things. You, you somebody hits me with the right number, you get the car. I don't need to put it on break a trailer. I think I, you know, I could, but you know, that's the way it works. Here's a here's a question though. Yeah. Um. And <clears throat> it's a real time case study. Uh huh. Okay. Is it is is the enjoyment in building a car? the build itself or the end result? Because when you're done with it, what do you fill your time with then? Just driving it or you got to build something else. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, I've got plenty of those projects, so I'm not, I'm not <laughs> so, worried about that. Actually, here's the thing is I do like driving the BMW. And the reason why I'm selling it is because in my mind, I wanted to keep it low miles, and I had a number in my head. I had 30,000 miles, no more than 30,000 miles in my head, and I'm at like 25.9 or 26 or something like that. So I'm like right there, and it's a little frustrating for me to see the car and not drive it. You know, and, and and I could drive it a little bit here and, and there. You're doing that because you don't want to to, to surpass thirty thousand. Yeah, but I how just, long do you think? How, but realistically, how long do you think that would take you as infrequently as you drive that car? Well, that's what I'm saying is is because I do kind of like to drive it now. I can I can take it out and put three or four hundred miles out on on a weekend or even a single drive. Like it's so it's set up so good now, and the clutch is lighter and the new ACT clutch that I could carve the canyons and hit up you know the Santa Monica Mountains, Malibu Canyon, stuff like that. And I and I I want to be able to do that, but I want to be able to pass this car down to somebody else that will enjoy it, and I wanted to do that with less than 30,000 miles. Now, obviously, it's worth more with fewer miles on it. So this ultimately is a win-win. Like, I could sit on the car for a few years, and it goes up in value, or I can get a fair price for it now, and then somebody else can drive it, not drive it, do whatever they want with it, and I can focus on the next projects. But I... You're right, though. But when I picked it up for my friend David, he was working on it uh, for me. Got the cooling issues and stuff uh, worked out. Driving that thing home was a blast. Like it's just, it just has power for days. I mean, it just, I mean, I, I don't know. You could be doing sixty-five, seventy on the freeway. You, you, you bring it down one gear and hammer down. It just pulls, man. That thing just keeps pulling. It's a high winding uh, RPM engine anyway. For the most part, and uh, and it it goes. I we we had a we had a digital gauge hooked up to give us the boost on it, but when you tune the computer, I guess the gauge doesn't really work. It's meant for stock ECUs. Now you could swap out the gauge for an analog 
boost gauge. It's still a digital gauge, but it uses a boost line. It uses just a tube and it goes to the manifold. So you can convert it to that. So I don't know how much boost, but I think just based off of of the the configuration it was before, probably somewhere in the 13 to 16 PSI range, probably about 14, 15 pounds of, 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 of boost on that thing. And the the supercharger you guys know is is new. I, it has the the other one. The oil line was wrong, so it kind of seized up. And I put a new, you know, work with Vortec, put their new TI supercharger, which is an upgraded version of what I had before. Um, so it has, and the inlet tube that David made is gorgeous, completely. He basically just made it from scratch, but it's the equivalent of a mandrel bent tube. He just did it with pie cuts and welds, and and it's steel, so it doesn't collapse. The other one had a big dent in it because it was sort of a flex tube. It's beautiful. It's smooth. The the air going into the supercharger, there's no kinks or anything in it, and then the supercharger itself is uh, is an upgraded, more powerful unit. So even at the same amount of boost. I would say it's putting down horsepower. I think we put down about 410 at the tires on this little car before we made the changes. And, and what's so, it weigh? Uh, that's a good question. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll find out. Let me hit this Dodge ad. Hey, Chris, could you find out what an E46 BMW M3 weighs? Uh, while he does that, it's a 2001 M3. Uh, it's time for Dodge Power Dollars. That means for each horsepower, you get $10 off your purchase on Dodge Charger, Challenger, and Durango. So come in for Dodge Power Dollars today for a pretty sweet deal. Uh, All right, I see it. The curb weight is 3,415 pounds. Yeah, so 3,400 pounds is light in in this day and age, right? I mean, yeah. uh, it, you know, the, the Mustangs and the Camaros and the Dodges, we're anywhere from, I don't know, 3,800, 3,900 to 4,500 pounds. So um, I want to say my 93 Cobra, the weight from the factory was about 3250, 3255, something like that. Lightweight five-speed transmission and stuff. And then, you know, when you do all of the modifications on it, if you think about it, you do, you know, like on my car, I did a six-speed conversion, and the T56 weighs more, but it's in the middle of the car, and it's as low as it can get, right? And then the brakes... And the 18-inch wheels are heavier, but the rotor is a two-piece rotor with a lightweight aluminum, you know, hat and, you know, but the caliper is bigger. So, you know, how much weight are you adding? And then you're cutting weight. Like you take off, out the stock stamped steel K-member for the front suspension, and then you put in a tubular K-member, and it cuts, I don't know, 30 or 40 pounds off the front end, but you added big brakes and a heavier transmission and more wheel and tire. So that's going to be one of the... Yeah, it's going to be kind of one of the the things where where I'm not just about... On that car specifically, I kept the original engine... Uh, you know, obviously highly modified, but the original engine is an iron block and the heads are iron heads. It's got the original GT40 three-bar heads. Um, they're all fully ported and, and stuff like that. But so I know the nose is going to be heavy like it was before, but can I start to shift the weight around? Let's say 
let's say the Cobra jumps from 3,250 to 3,500 pounds. Uh, it's where am I carrying that weight? Yeah. You know, um, when it, when we corner balance it, we're going to see where that goes. The uh, Now, the truck, on the other hand, the Lightning, I have been That's thinking about it. It is different because <laughs> we know that carries all the weight in the front, right? And and nothing in the back. So for this truck specifically, uh, I wanted to try to shift some of that weight. I, it doesn't have to be all original. I'm going to pop that whole engine out. And as you guys know, I'm going to an aluminum dart block, aluminum heads. Uh, so that should cut about 100 pounds off the front end. And then um, the suspension that's on there, that twin I-beam deal that's on there, when I went to the DJM suspension, the stock pieces were significantly heavier. Uh, and, you know, I got a bigger brakes and I got bigger wheels, but I put them on the back as well, big brakes and big wheels. Um, and I, I moved the batteries to the back. So not only did I take 40 pounds of battery off the front of the truck, I moved it to the back under the bumper and I added a second battery and I got them just in line. It's still 12 volts. I didn't increase the voltage. All I did was just add another 40 pounds to the back just to get a little bit of extra weight for traction. I honestly, I don't know that that much is going to make any difference in the world, but I did take 40 pounds off the front and put 80 pounds in the back. And then my last conversation, of course, with uh, Salvaggio at Speedcore was, hey, can we do the carbon fiber bumper off the front and, uh, and the hood? Five pounds. Yeah, so the bumper is a big heavy steel piece it's actually pretty big and he said that's a that's a pretty easy job in their world you know in our world maybe not but he you know he can just yeah he said well that one's easier than a hood for sure right because of the structure and the bolts and all that stuff yeah he can just take the bumper and just kind of lay it up do the carbon fiber and come back with a piece that's i don't know instead of a 30 pound bumper maybe it's a 10 pound bumper um uh, so yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, reducing weight in the front, moving some weight to the back, uh, and and the transmission that I'm putting in there is the uh, uh, the uh, gosh what what was the GM transmission the 4L80E, um, but it's going to have a gear drive. Uh, a gear vendor's overdrive unit on the back. Now, it's not that big. It's not that heavy, but it goes onto the back of the transmission. And if you figure where that is, that's a little bit under the front of the bed. So I'm moving weight more toward the back of the vehicle. So I I think the truck weighs 4,500 pounds, and I'll have to look up the specs on the, the front to rear weight difference. But I'm curious to see when this is done. Are we at 4,500 pounds? I, I'm fine with that, but where is the 4,500 pounds? If it was. I will volunteer to sit my fat ass in the back in, <laughs> in the, uh, the bed when you do autocross. You, you might have to. We're going to have to strap you in there. It's funny, but I, when I had it on the dyno over at, uh, at Banks, uh, they take a forklift and they have a thousand pound sandbag on a pallet and they just, they just drop it in the back of all the trucks because they tested trucks all the time and they need a lot of traction for that dyno. And it's really tough to strap down the truck, especially if you're making really big horsepower or shit tons of torque. Uh, so they just drop the, you know, it takes five minutes. They just grab the forklift, lift the pallet, 
drop it in the back of the truck and uh, and to hold it down. So I don't know. I, listen, if I was getting 65% of the weight on the front of this truck, and I don't know what it is, we'd have to look it up. If I can get it down to 60 or 57, that's a win in my book. I think you're going to feel that. It's going to make that. a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. It's going to make a huge difference. But um, anyway, so uh, you and I were talking about events uh, a minute ago, CES, SEMA, uh, you know, rules are constantly changing. We keep saying, hey, will it happen? Will it not happen? Who knows what's going on? Uh, uh, I can tell you that that um i think i just got something in uh in in my inbox saying that um indycar which is going to run laguna seca in september is not going to happen which is interesting because they are running other places and they are running without spectators um and they're making it happen but california is such a pain in the ass uh and so indecisive on rules and this and that that and, you know, politics aside, they're basically saying we're not going to run Indy in September. Uh, <clears throat> probably at this point, less of a health issue and more of a po- politics. It's a political issue because for them to throw in the towel this far in advance is them just going, eh, nobody wants to work with us. Nobody wants to try to make this happen. So we're not going to put in the effort. Meanwhile, here we are, what? four weeks, less than four weeks out from Indy 500, and they still want that to happen because everyone's trying to make some version of it happen. And if you can do it and wear your masks and be safe and cleaning stations and fewer capacity, if, you know, some people would, would like to go. By the way, we're not forcing anybody to go. So if you don't want to go, watch it on TV. If you want to go, then you can go. But it, that still seems to happen. But some of the big events in our industry is one, first of all, CES, which is coming up in January. CES in our world has become a, a huge, important event for the automotive space. Cars are being debuted there. A lot of technology in cars are being debuted there. Um, and it's becoming an important piece of uh, of the automotive industry, especially as auto shows, traditional auto shows are dying off. By the way, they were dying off before coronavirus, you know. So uh, so CES has said uh, they're going to do a virtual show. And the reason why they hit the announcement early is because they're challenging all of the exhibitors to come up with something. <coughs> this isn't going to be – I think that's the right way to go about it. Yeah. They're saying, hey, we're going to do a virtual show. We don't have to force it. We don't have to force people in the room. They're still going to sell tickets to the event, and and I guess it's all going to be done on the CES website. And it, when I say virtual show, it doesn't mean they're going to fill out the convention center and just have camera guys rolling around. It's it's these car companies are going to be able to do their own presentations. Like we saw the Bronco debut, and we saw. Uh, uh, what was the other one that we watched? Uh, the Ford F-150 debut. And, you know, they had sort of a scripted stage and they filmed it and there was two people on stage and, and they were, you know, 10 feet apart. It was Dennis Leary on one side and the VP of Ford on the other side. But it was all filmed and presented. So that's what CES, how I understand it at least, that's how what CES is saying is, hey, uh, exhibitors, exhibitors, come up with your virtual presentation and they'll make it part of the program. 
Um, so I'm I'm okay with that. You know, listen, it's always difficult to get out to CES anyway because of the timing and the holidays and the other shows that are going on. In our world, we always had SEMA and and then there was PRI for a bunch of people and then holidays, Christmas, and then January I get out to the, the Arizona Auction Week at the end of January, Barrett-Jackson, RM, Gooding, you know, as all of those things uh, – were happening on a regular basis. It was tough to fit CES in there. So I don't mind a virtual version of it. Maybe there's a little less business going on, you know. Um, of course, you know, SEMA is a topic of ours as well, so we should talk about that. SEMA is still, keep in mind, a trade show. And uh, there's a lot of business that has to happen, a lot of international business that has to happen. If SEMA was a virtual show, would there be as much business happening? Probably not. But do we need a SEMA show? You know, I, I'm probably not. Listen, and, I, and I'd I'd say they need to make the decision like ASAP, just like CES did. Um, I don't know. I'm torn. You know, I, I really am. In in speaking to uh, Richard Wade is from Magnaflow about it yesterday, um, and getting some behind the scenes knowledge it's uh i don't know man i I don't know what the right decision is this day and age i mean look at how uh uh, ford did the bronco presentation i'd say that was a success i thought their f-150 presentation was very good as well you know so why can't these entities take a page from from ford and come up with something during these circumstances that'll blow people away because they have six, seven months to prep for it now. Um, I don't know. There's, there's, it's just a new normal, man. I mean, we're seeing what in real time. I mean, it's like a, it's like a reality show in real time. I yeah. Mean, some companies are taking one route and others are taking the other. Who's got the who has the right, uh, who's foreseeing the future correctly. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's in times like this, it's an, it could be an advantageous time to set a new normal as far as advertising is concerned. Yeah. Um, so it's an opportunity, but at the same time, I mean, we're missing out. I mean, hell everybody, the SEMA convention, I mean, you know how it is. Yeah. Listen, um, no, nobody's a bigger business out of it. Nobody's a bigger fan of that event than than I am. I I love it. That's my Disneyland. I I enjoy the event. I love catching up with everybody and talking with the companies I don't normally get to see. But also, I'm just a super fan of aftermarket parts. I walk up but, and but down. Also, but also, like you said in the past, SEMA is a lot is based a lot on on relationships. Yes. Right. And so, how are we going to get that? part of it satiated virtually it's not going to happen period yeah so it's a it's a weird it's a just a weird circumstance how this is going to go on i just wish they'd make a decision and go go with it yeah like i'm sure there's politics and money and incentives and all kinds of things that are involved with a decision like this not just safety safety is a high priority but the question is is if they do a SEMA show, how much business is going to happen? Who's not going to show up? What 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 exhibitors won't be there and w- which buyers won't be there and which limited media, right? And throughout the past number of years, we've seen a couple major manufacturers back out, Yeah, right? 
So I'm very curious as to see the ripple effect of what's what's going on right now. If a virtual SEMA means less business happening, you have to compare that to an actual SEMA under our current conditions. How much business is going to happen anyway? Right. So maybe why run the risk? You know, definitely. I, why run the risk? Why run Make the, risk? the damn decision and go with it and capitalize well, on the opportunity uh, in these times. You I, know, that's I would that's I would agree. Problem. I would agree with you and say this. I the one thing I think SEMA might be overlooking is the event is going to come up quicker than you think, because here we are rolling into August. And if you keep waiting and then they decide on a virtual version like CES is going to do, all of the companies, the exhibitors, won't have as much time to start preparing what their virtual version is going to look like. You can't give them 30 days. You know, Listen, our, our friends at Holly Performance Group, they own, I don't know, 30 different companies now, and they have thousands and thousands of, of new products. Uh, they don't have to present them all, but I would imagine those guys would say, hey, we want to take a, a, maybe a couple hundred of our key products and put them together in some sort of video presentation. Don't give them three weeks to do that. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, be fair to those guys, especially if they're going to make the investment and a production company and filming and hosting and setting it up and pulling the products out and how it's going to work. Like, so much is invested in in the booths and the staff and 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 how they're you know the marketing materials and the presentation of all the products at SEMA uh I don't know maybe maybe these guys you know just take one of their warehouses and build their SEMA booth in the warehouse and just have their guys walk around and go hey here's there's welcome to my SEMA booth I'm going to walk you through all of the products right now uh, if it's an hour long presentation to walk me through the Holly booth I'd watch that video Absolutely. You know, I mean, sure, we're going to get stuck with a bunch of questions about the products, you know, but that's why being at the live show is important. But it's fine. There could be a version of that. There can be a question and answer. There could be submit your questions. It could be email. It could be whatever. Like it's just there's there's a way to make this happen. And we can go back to doing SEMA the way it was next year, hopefully, you know. Um, but I I don't know. At this point, I'm saying – don't force it. You don't have to force how many, it. How many builders are are quietly sitting in their corner in their shop going, oh, God, please cancel SEMA. I don't want to go through taking four years off of my life building another car again on this yeah. gun. You know? Yeah. Look, the guys that debut cars, there's a great video presentation debut that you can do. Team up with your sponsors. Get it done. Uh, it's, it's not going to take anything away from what you guys are doing. I know there's a lot of... Uh, prestige and that good feeling about launching your car at SEMA. But again, why take the risk? We're all going to see it anyway. And the truth is uh, a lot more people are seeing, you know, uh, the videos and stuff online than they are anything else. Um, And I would say I can't speak for everybody in the media world, but if you guys send me videos and tell me about parts you're debuting and cars you're debuting, I'm going to talk about it over here. And we're going to post it up on social media. We're going to support it and talk about it. We're not going to just Surely in the time when people are dying for content, I'm going (laughs) to watch it. Absolutely. I'm going to kill to get to my screen to watch that. No question. 
Um, all right. Well, let me tell you guys about uh, Geico. Right now, Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. And that's 15% on top of the money Geico could already be saving you. So what are you waiting for? Uh, you could be saving money as well. There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Visit geico.com to learn more. That's geico.com. Um, I wanted to give you guys uh, uh, a little bit of a heads up on um, some of the – we talked a lot about uh, Ford F-150. So Ford F-150, the new version, which, uh, you know, I haven't seen it in person, but the presentation was good as we talked about. It looks cool. Hybrid version and and uh, onboard generators and some cool options. The news is out that the 2021 F-150 – Will have a base price of thirty thousand six hundred and thirty-five bucks. So for thirty-one thousand bucks, it gets you into the to the base version of this, which is uh, which is good. And then by comparison, a F one fifty limited two wheel drive Super Crew is seventy-two thousand five hundred. Uh, I think it's about thirty four, thirty five hundred bucks to make it all wheel drive to make it four wheel drive. So you know, seventy two thousand for the two wheel drive limited Super Crew, seventy five thousand for the uh, for the four wheel drive. Um, I don't know what the uh, the it's twenty five hundred dollars for the for the hybrid uh, powertrain. So I guess if you went with uh, like a pretty well-equipped Limited, which has a lot of standard options on it, all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, Super Crew, Hybrid, EcoBoost, you're about bucks. I don't know. I just kind of feel like it's a lot of money, but also we kind of knew, you know, yeah. we, we knew all these trucks were going to be creeping up. I don't know that these numbers – are that much more than the previous year? Um, I think, I think the base model at thirty thousand six hundred is like I don't know a hundred hundred fifty dollars more than, and you know whatever than the base model from you know the previous generation, the current generation. Um, but if you looked at over the last ten years, <laughs> then there's a big, then there's a big jump in price, <laughs> right? There's a big jump in price, uh, and and obviously. You know, you can't really compare. You can't compare a, a you know, the the limited at seventy five thousand dollars to the you know to whatever my lightning from twenty five years ago. Uh, right. You know, because that thing was I don't know twenty two thousand bucks. But um, uh, you know, that, I guess that's what it is. So that that's where you're going to be. You're you're thirty thousand on the low end. You're probably seventy five thousand, seventy eight thousand on the high end. Um, I would imagine you could probably even load it up with a few more things, and and uh, you'll be in the eighties right quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the other prices here: starting prices for the uh, for the twenty uh, for the twenty twenty one F one fifty Lariat Super Cab is about nineteen hundred dollars more than it was last year. It's forty six thousand 
$8.90. So let's call it $47,000 for the Lariat. The King Ranch is $58,000. And the Platinum is about $61,000. And, uh, and as we said, the Limited, which is the, the top of the 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 top of the box is uh you know seventy eight thousand for the hybrid uh all wheel four wheel drive. Hard to even so, say yeah, that. Yeah. But uh uh you know it's a big commitment. Listen, I'm I'm driving right now a car called a Polestar. We haven't talked too much about Polestar yet. It's popped up at Monterey uh a car week a few times. Polestar is sort of a, a spin-off brand from Volvo. It's meant to be a high-end luxury electric hybrid. And I I, I I believe they're specifically calling it electric hybrid as opposed to a traditional just a hybrid because uh a lot of the hybrid vehicles that we have get about a 30 mile or so range on just electric power. Like if you think of plug-in hybrids, not Prius hybrid, right? Uh, like my mom's RAV4 hybrid, it's not a plug-in hybrid. She just drives it and gets, I don't know, 35, 40 miles per gallon. It switches from gas to electric, does everything on its own. Then there's a plug-in hybrid. I drove a, a Volvo S90 T8 hybrid, this sedan, this past week, full-size sedan. It's gorgeous, plenty of room in the back, uh, very comfortable, and it's a plug-in hybrid, which means I could uh, fill it up with gas and drive it around. Uh, also, there is a an outlet in the front. You can plug it in. At night, you get about 30 miles of, of range. Uh, and you could drive it in an electric mode or if you – you know, it also kick on the gas engine when it needs it to charge it or to uh, to give it more power or depending on how you drive it. But in theory, you could putt around town in electric mode and get about 30 miles of range. Um, it, it worked well. It was pretty seamless. And on the touch screen in the infotainment system, you can click charge. So – if you don't want to plug it in or you're going on a road trip and you're going to be, you know, sitting in the car for a while anyway, you can have the the gas engine charge the battery. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's fine. So the Polestar has a similar setup but with more power on board. Um, so it gets about eh, – none of the numbers are final. But uh, I think the website says about 60 miles range, so double – the, the range on the electric-only version of it. Um, when I got in it, it was roughly 70 miles, so I think they're dialing it in. Um, it has the same uh, twin-charged engine as the Volvo, the 2-liter supercharged uh, turbocharged, but now combined with uh, electric motors, it, it, uh, it'll do all-wheel drive, and it's over 600 horsepower. Combined, it's 619 horsepower. And again, they're finalizing that number. I think the website says 600 and the press release says 619. They're figuring it out. Um, I drove it here. I just picked it up. It's a short loan. It's a prototype car. They're not for sale yet. They're, they're doing some pre-orders and it's not meant to be a high volume car yet. And I'll explain to you why. <laughs> um, but uh, – uh, it is – first of all, it's very pretty. This is a two-door coupe, like a full-size coupe. Um, you know, imagine like 
I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's like M4 size. I think it's a little bigger than M4 size, maybe like M6-ish size. I'd have to run the numbers on it, but it just feels a little roomier. Um, so it's it's pretty nice. The entire body is carbon fiber, and uh, it is gorgeous. Um, first of all, I'm a fan of the Volvo design recently. You know, the Volvos, they all look pretty good. You know, the SUVs, the sedans, they all look pretty good. The, the XC60 is a little squattier, you know, compact version of the SUV. I think the bigger one looks has better proportions, but the lights and everything look very, very good on it. So with Polestar doing a carbon fiber body, they were able to refine it even more. Because if you think about it, we had this discussion when I spoke to the uh, to the exterior designer of the Ford GT. He, he told me something about that car as well. He said, hey, you see how the door comes down and then it kicks out 90 degrees where the sill is and it kicks down 90 degrees where, uh, you know, where the rocker panel is. He said, we can't do that with a steel or aluminum body because those sharp turns thin out the metal. Hey, Gage. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, says hello, Gage. They uh, – it it thins out the metal too much, but with carbon fiber, they are able to mold it in a way that you can get those those angles that you wouldn't normally get. So the Polestar, which is gorgeous, has a very sharp edge, almost a knife edge, uh, 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 like a blade uh, going up along the fender on the front and the rear of the fender. It's a beautiful sharp edge that they're only able to do uh, in carbon fiber because it would thin out the metal too much. Also, it cut 500 pounds off of the That's car had they done it in a steel body. Hmm. Uh, and that allows them to to not, you know, we talked about the look, but also the reduced weight certainly helps them load it up with the batteries and the powertrain and, and, and range and, and all the things. Hmm. Now, because Polestar is new and it's more of an exercise for the future of this company than anything else, it's $150,000. And uh, and we expected it to be. Yes. Now, this is why they don't expect to sell 10,000 models. And, uh, and, and initially, the first few years, it'll probably, I don't know, I forgot what their prediction was, a couple of thousand, maybe 2,000, maybe 500 a year for, for the first few years. The issue with it is this, is – Although I like the Volvo styling, when you get in the car, it's basically Volvo interior. It has, you know, their nice steering wheel and nice leather, but the infotainment system, everything is exactly the same. Even some of the exterior styling, the lights and everything are all exactly the same. It you can see how it's an evolution of Volvo's brand. If, if Volvo said, hey, we can do a carbon fiber body so we get nice, good, hard edges and sharp lines and and we can do a, a kind of a, a holds-no-bar, uh, you know, uh, a powertrain system, hybrid system. So they were able to do all of that with Polestar. But the Volvo is really nice for 60000 bucks, And you're like, well... Do you want to make the jump to 150000 for these increment improvements? Um, I, I would say you'd have oh, to yeah. be you'd have to be a real early adopter in technology to want this because yeah. 
although the styling is good and the Volvo interior and all that is good, you can get it in a Volvo for sixty grand or fifty grand or sixty-eight grand or whatever. So it's not a huge departure in that sense. But there are early adopters out there. You know, at one point we were spending twenty thousand dollars, not me, but somebody on I don't know flat screen TVs, right? Like. Uh, <laughs> You know, and now, you know, and now it's a lot, right? People spend yeah. 10. Listen, a- Adam has very famously said that uh, uh, one of the largest um, flat screens that came out was was years ago. And I don't know, it was like 85, almost $100,000 for like a 100-inch flat screen TV or 90-inch flat screen TV. And uh, Jimmy Kimmel bought one for like 85000 bucks. I can get one for ten. Yeah, and now you walk into Costco, and for you know, for seventy nine hundred bucks, you get an eighty five inch flat screen. Yeah, sure, maybe he's got the only one that's a hundred inch, but you know, there's a big difference between eighty five grand and eighty five hundred. So, um, yes. listen, he loves it, and it works for him, and and he makes plenty of money. But you got to be sort of that early adopter, right? I mean, and in some level, a lot of us are. We we buy thousand dollar iPhones when this one used now is, you know, one third of the price. So uh, anyway, yes, that's that, what's going on. Uh, you let me know, Bill, when you're running out of time. Yeah, uh, I, I got to go. Gotta all right. Go you're going to go. I'm going to I'm going to hit this uh, this Dodge ad. I'm going to wrap up on some Rivian news and then uh, we're going to call it a day over here. But, Bill, thanks so much. Uh, I know you've got an appointment to run to. And uh, so go ahead and do that. And uh, we'll, we'll chat next week. Uh, all right, so summertime is the best time to join the Brotherhood of Muscle because Dodge Power Dollars means you get a guaranteed discount. The math is simple. You get $10 off based on the total horsepower of your new Dodge vehicle. That's every 2020 Challenger, Durango, Charger, anyone out there, any one of these that are out there, you get the most out of your horsepower this summer. With $10 off for each horsepower, that means you can jump into a Dodge Charger SRT Scat Pack. It's got 485 horsepower, so you get 4850 bucks off. And this summer, Dodge Power Dollars is back with the Dodge Durango, Durango as well. Whether you're behind the wheel of a Durango you're behind the wheel of, 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 of a performance-driven SUV. And whether you're rolling out with friends or family, you'll be able to fit everyone with everyone in the Durango because it's got seven-passenger seating capacity. It, uh, it really works. And uh, you heard the announcement we made a few weeks ago. Ooh, the Durango uh, uh, Hellcat. Ooh, big horsepower in that thing. So uh, get more power. You get more off. It's that simple. Hurry into your local Dodge dealer now to take advantage of Dodge Power Dollars. Uh, we talked about the Ford F-150. We talked about the hybrid version, the pricing on it. And then, uh, you know, another uh, a truck that I'm a fan of from what I've seen so far is Rivian. It's the all-electric pickup. They got huge investments from Ford, uh, huge investments from from Amazon. Uh, Amazon wants Rivian to make delivery trucks, and they're putting in a, a long-term order for 100,000 electric delivery trucks, which is a, a huge commitment. I love that. I love that idea, by the way, is you you invest hundreds of millions of dollars into uh, into the electric company that makes the trucks, and then you buy a bunch of products from them, eventually, uh, essentially uh, fueling their own sales, almost guaranteeing their success. It's a great strategy. But uh, the, uh, the electric pickup truck will start shipping in June of 21. 
It's a little delayed because of obvious reasons. Coronavirus, there's uh, factories have to be shut down or limited capacity and supplies are are running uh, uh, thin because you can't get companies to make anything. As a matter of fact, I heard that uh, one of the big uh, shortages we're going to be running into is cans. So all of the uh, uh, beverage companies, beer companies, soda companies, they're having an issue getting cans made because uh, we they even the ones that own their own factories are having issues getting cans made. So um, everything is suffering in some weird effect. But uh, uh, June of 21, Rivian electric pickup trucks should start shipping, and then the SUV should come out a few months after that. Um, all right, before we wrap it up, just also want to mention that uh, – you know, our friend Dan Edmonds used to be at Edmonds.com, and I think he's with uh, Autoblog now and, and uh, maybe doing a, a few other things. I've always liked Dan's deep dive into the suspension. He takes a lot of the trucks and put them up, puts them up on the ramp and goes in and explains it. He's, he's, he's very, very knowledgeable about that stuff. I always love having a nerdy conversation with him. And uh, – uh, I, I couldn't end the show without mentioning, although he does a lot of trucks and SUVs, Dan just did a deep dive into the Shelby GT500 suspension. Uh, the new GT500, the carbon fiber wheels, the magnetic ride, it's at Autoblog. Uh, uh, go to Autoblog, look it up for the GT500 suspension deep dive Um and he goes through some fantastic details of what Ford has been doing there, uh, the brakes, the rotors, the control arms, uh, you know, the, the way the steering is, the carbon fiber wheels. He breaks down some of the weights of these things and what the wheels weigh and, uh, you know, the coating on the inside of the wheel to protect the carbon fiber from heat, from the brakes. Like, it's really, really, really cool stuff. So, Dan, I always appreciate your stuff doing that. Um, I'm a huge fan. You know that. And uh, I read everything on that article. It seemed like it was pages long, but I just kept getting into it going, what? I like that. I like that. Um, very, very good stuff. So check out Dan Edmonds' uh, deep dive, suspension uh, deep dive on the Shelby GT500. Uh, all right. We're going to wrap things up now. And then, uh, uh, you know, more stuff coming next week. And then uh, later this week, of course, Adam and I are back in the studio talking uh, more uh, car cat stuff. And I believe we're going to have a guest. I think Friday we're going to have uh, the guys from Gooding. We'll have David Gooding. And Hans Worrell. And Hans Worrell back in from Gooding. They've got the uh, auction coming up next week. And uh, it's all online now, so uh, you guys want to check that out. All right, guys, thanks. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to CarCast. Like we said, more c- cool stuff coming up later this week uh, in the studio with myself and, uh, and Adam Carolla. Uh, right now, Geico is offering an extra 15% 
credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. That's 15% on top of the money GEICO could already be saving you. So what are you waiting for? You could be saving money as well. There's never been a better time now to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Just visit GEICO.com.